The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west, and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We gather this Lord's Day with the words of the Apostle to the Gentiles ringing in our ears. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. O God, whose Son, Jesus, is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We gather to offer our prayers and our prayers of confession. In a moment, the choir will sing our traditional Kyrie. We are trying to find our way back home. We get lost so often. It is our nature east of Eden. We get lost in sex without love, that is lust. We get lost in consumption without nourishment, gluttony. We get lost in accumulation without investment, avarice. We get lost in rest without weariness, in happiness without struggle, sloth. We get lost in righteousness without restraint, anger. We get lost in desire without ration or respect, envy. And most regularly, we get lost in integrity without humility, pride. Beloved, as again we seek to find our way home, let us pause to offer our silent prayers of confession. Let us pray. mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. 
Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter put all of them outside, then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa, and some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We continue to receive comfort from Psalm 23 as we read it responsively with the sung antiphon. my shepherd I shall not want. Make it me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. stand for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the proclamation of our gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18 and 27 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep 
sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The shepherd is present and loving and good. But today we are a city and a world around drenched in sorrow. Some of that sorrow lies at the feet of those killed, Martin, Linksy, Crystal, Sean. Some of that sorrow arises from the thought of those physically injured. Some of that sorrow dimly recognizes the many others near and far harmed in other less visible ways. Some of that sorrow kindles anger at the video image of assassins who lingered to view the potential effects of unspeakable actions on fellow humans. This weekend we are a people drenched in sorrow. We are also a university working through sorrow. Monday began with brunch and celebration, but ended with terror. Our staff opened the chapel later for the throngs walking by, tealess. Water, prayer, refreshment, counsel they gave. One runner came very cold and was shrouded with a clergy gown, all we had to offer, a shepherd's outfit. Tuesday brought us to the plaza come evening in vigil to honor and reflect. Wednesday in this very chapel and also at other hours and other settings gathered us for ordered worship, prayer, music, liturgy, Eucharist, and sermon. Thursday we heard the president on a familiar theme running the race set before us. And Friday we stayed home and watched the televised news. Saturday, last night, we listened for the musical succor of Handel's beautiful Messiah right here. And tomorrow we will again gather for a memorial service for our deceased Boston University student, Lou Linksy. But today is Sunday when we come to church to pray and to sing and to listen for the word quietly now as a visible congregation in the pews and as a virtual congregation in the region, we might want to allow our gospel to help us 
to speak to us a pastoral word, to live in us in three ways. First, the simple word here, right here. The Gospel of John, more than any other ancient Christian writing, and in odd contrast to its prevalent misunderstanding across the continent today, knew the necessity of nimble engagement of current experience and the saving capacity to change in the face of new circumstance. The community of this gospel could do so because they had experienced the shepherd present. Hick et nunc here and now. In distress, we hold to the divine presence. One word, the shepherd here. Two Boston University students were maimed on Monday. One survived in part because of an Iraqi war veteran who ran to her, held her, acknowledged her shock, staunched her bleeding, kept her from focusing on the carnage at hand, and made it his business to be present to her on Boylston Street. His experienced prediction later that evening that she would make it proved true. The shepherd is here, present in the shepherding acts of people like him who put on the equivalent of the pastor's robe to aid others. It is not trite and not redundant repeatedly to honor the first responders those first present, it is faith, good faith, and theology, good theology. God has no hands but yours. In quieter hours, another Sunday, we might simply say the shepherd is here, referring only to the brute, undeniable experience of breathing, of life, of something, of something not nothing, but in sorrow, in distress, causing sorrow, we know presence through the shepherd. Next to us, it may be one day we shall hear a voice, hold my hand, look down, not out, focus on my eyes. That pain in your leg is a good sign. Breathe in, breathe out, I am here. We are a community devoted and witness to the one in the stained glass behind you, the shepherd. It is a good and healthy thing to enter a Gothic nave whose form is a thousand years old, an Indiana limestone chapel built to last another thousand years, with a form of worship as ancient and historic as it is beautiful and true, and music from the ages, and readings two thousand years in use, all in the place of grace, graceful space. It is a physical recollection that we are not the first, nor shall we be the last, to face inexplicable horror. I do not know of a week when one does not need that. This place, this service, right now. But in this week particularly, we surely do. John's community had none of the architecture and stone and conic stained glass that we have. 
back in Ephesus in 90 AD, but they did have the one thing needful, voice speaking, hearing. They found that in speaking of the shepherd. He is here. And then said the preacher, the voice of the risen Christ, I am. Word gate door, I am the good shepherd. That is all still we have. That's all we have. The voice. Utterance. I am. The here is in the hearing. Can you hear that? It begs to be heard. Here. It is an old word. The shepherd is here. The gospel brings a second old word. One writer said he used the old short words. He said, I know the other ones, the big words, but the short ones say it better. Agape. Love. God so loved the world to give God's only son. I try to remember that when a boy who looks like my son did at age eight is taken. It is as if God walked over and put a hand on my shoulder and said, you know you'll have to trust this. I, I do understand. I do. I had a son once, too. The reason the community of faith, John's church, could hear the hear of the shepherd is that they had experienced his love. With them, perhaps with you, I am a Christian today more for the cross than for the empty tomb. The Gospel of John knew the reality of love and called love God. Love is God, said the later letter bearing the name of John. But it is a strange, somewhat unfamiliar kind of love. The gospel makes the familiar strange and the strange familiar. It is not just the love of family or kindred, those with whom you watch television on Friday. It is not the love of lover and beloved to whom you rightly repaired on Monday. It is not even the religiously frequent reference across the globe to principle, idea, or virtue. The gospel today in a word, love, is rather a love that gives and gives of self, which they knew in Ephesus in 90 AD. And we know today in loving hands. God has none, no hands but yours. We all need loving hands. And all of us are better when we're loved. To recall love when you see others in brutality, shredded by insidious evil, you will need to practice to pronounce love in life early on. It is also repeatedly said, not tritely, 
that the only thing evil needs to succeed is the inattention and inaction of good people. This passage read earlier, the Father and I are one, created a new religion in the heart of a new religion around this single second word, love. The verse is usually thought to convey a heightened Christology, that is a a raising of Jesus to divine status. But for the first century Christians, it is arguable that it, it arguably may have meant the very opposite, the lowering of God to human status. That is, in part it meant the lowering of the Father, not the raising of the Son. It meant, well, love. The shepherd loves, is loving, is love. Love is God. That is all we have of God as we breathe and listen and live. Love means, yes, love of self, family, kin, but also of neighbor, other friend, but also, remarkably, of enemy. Now, the Gospel of John does not get quite that far, and I'm not sure that I have, but the Christian Gospel as a whole does, and more. I will try to remember that when I feel my anger welling up or when I am tempted to disparage groups for the behavior of individuals or when I want a faster solution to a thorny problem than is manageable. Beloved, that is why you come to church on Sunday every week to be prepared for love. You cannot develop a worldview, a religious perspective, a depth of faith, or a disciplined life in the three minutes following a bombing. You have to get started a whole lot earlier in order to have in crisis the nourishment, the power you will need really to live and to love. Love means taking responsibility Love means taking responsibility. And taking responsibility means finding soon a community where you can know and show meaning and belonging and empowerment, where you can learn from others to pray and to tithe and to keep faith. I encourage you to continue in the many ways you already have begun to find effective modes of help for those well beyond our own community who have been hurt one way or another. A card, a note, a check, a gift, a prayer. We all have things we can do to lean forward and help those harmed. One of our students is active in bringing a blood bank to campus in the next few days. It is healthy, it is helpful in many directions to find one thing or two things creatively to do to bring some good to bear in the face of tragic violence. So you will don the shepherd's gown, hoist the shepherd's crook, live the shepherd's life for a moment in love. It is an old word. The shepherd is love. Here is one other old word, good. The shepherd is good. Let us be frank. There is a kind of nihilism abroad today which is not good. You can hear it in the word whatever and see it 
in inebriation, in amoral sexual practice, in materialism, in incapacity for human communication, in incapacity for moral discernment. These features of current life exploding all about us on a daily basis, they are not good. As our friend and fellow preacher, the Reverend John Holt of Osterville, wrote two weeks ago, I'm troubled, really troubled, disturbed, because compassion is so scarce. Too often we live in a what's-in-it-for-me world. You remember from last Sunday, my friend describing life in one word as good and in two words as not good. Well, no early Christian document surpasses John in plumbing the depths of that duality. A bright Monday, bombs. A sunny Patriot's Day, carnage. A glorious marathon, death. As my teacher Robert McAfee Brown said, this is God's world, but it is a crummy one, and we have to live with both realities. I remember Anglican Bishop Hapgood about 1975 facing a group of idealists and saying, go ahead, keep your dreams, be dreamers. Just remember that others dream too of gulags and genocide and terror. From this pulpit four years ago, November 29, 2009, we tried to be alert to the probability that at some point another 9-11 would befall us. How little we knew how close it would be, both in time and in space. Some may wonder whether anything religiously cast, any preachment, can carry any truth any good. Religion is not necessarily good. Religion is like the weather, so mixed, good and bad and other. Here is one response. In in the phrasing of the old spiritual, do you have good religion or bad? Are you putting on that shepherding robe, that pastoral gown to fend off the cold? Unamuno wrote, warmth, warmth, warmth. We are dying of cold, not of darkness. It is not the night that kills, it is the frost. Religion that brings good relationship can bring much good. You can see and hear that right here in the pews of Marsh Chapel. Come and join us. Come and join us. Our passage about the shepherd shepherded into experience something new over time, the relational community of God. Yes, we are monotheists, but not really fully so. God is not one only for us. God is three, or at least three in one. That is, the good shepherd is good in relationship. God is in relationship beginning with, well, God. We might want to think about that as we measure our relationships into the future. The Father and I are one. 
was one step toward chapter 14 later and the spirit and beyond that to Nicaea. Ours are the hands with which to touch, hold, greet, and honor and envelop in right relationship. Beloved, there is so much inexplicable randomness in life. The freedom to will and the freeing of the will both to be present, to love, to do the good. Jan and I did not turn left on Boylston Monday at 2.30. We went back around the back way to Huntingdon not because we were any smarter. No. Random. Just random. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But through it all, every day, there is good, there is good, there is good every day. And part of that good is found in relationship, blessed by the relational God of John 10. And some of that good is right here in Boston, the hub. Let us make it the hub of relationship. Hugs on a cold first night. Cheers for the music come July 4th. Waves to the rowers come head of the Charles. And yes, next year celebration come Patriots Day. Connected in relationship. Connected in relationship. Here is E.B. White's doggerel about your beloved city. No orthodox Bostonian is lonely or dejected, for everyone in Boston with everyone's connected. For Boston's not a capital and Boston's not a place. Rather, I feel that Boston is the perfect state of grace. Yes, it is an old word, but a true one. The shepherd is good. How then shall we live? Will you find your way through the crowd and the rubble to the shepherd who is here, who is love, who is good? We will want to live with presence and love and goodness. Thankfully, from Monday itself, we have a shining example of people modeling dimensions of healthy spirituality, of runners and races. A metaphor not unknown to the biblical mind, by the way, Psalm 19, 1 Corinthians 9, Hebrews 12. I picture all the runners practicing months and weeks. I see the lacing of the running shoes. I hear the starting whistle and the throng surging forward. We saw at Kenmore Square the brightly attired elderly man, the young guy with blue hair, the student running in a tuxedo, the troop from a nearby college ROTC program, the woman running as so many in memory, the folks in wheelchairs, the straining forward by mile 25 of striving, disciplined energy. They are all models for us of running the spiritual race and finishing the course. We too can lace up, we too can run, we too in our own ways can finish the course in faith. God's goodness, love, and presence beckon us onward.
As we come to a time to lift up the prayers of this community to God, I invite you to assume a position of prayer that is most familiar to you, to remain seated, to stand, to come forward, to kneel at the altar rail. Please enter into a spirit of prayer as the choir sings our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Good Shepherd, hear our voices. The voices that are hoarse from shouting, the voices that are unsteady from weeping, the voices that are sharp with anger, the voices that are quivering with fear, the voices that are dull with weariness, the voices that are quiet with uncertainty, and the voices that have fallen silent. You, Good Shepherd, you know all of us and call us each by name. We have come to know the names of some of our flock, our community, and our city who have been taken from us by violence this week. Martin, Lingzi, Crystal, and Sean. We mourn their loss and we pray for all those around the world who are victims of violence, for those whose names we do not know, but who are known by you. While violence can tear people from our arms all too soon, we are confident, Lord, that nothing, nothing and no one can snatch them from your loving hand. Lord, we are called to follow you, and this morning we give thanks for those who follow your call by embodying your shepherding. Those first responders who run into danger to rescue the injured, those nurses and doctors who knit wounds and bring healing, and those members of law enforcement who help to keep us safe from the dangers that surround us. Good Shepherd, this week our thoughts turn to the green pastures of the common and the public garden, the still waters of the Charles River, this city of Boston which we love so deeply. This week, our beloved city has also felt like the valley of the shadow of death, Good Shepherd, restore our souls so that we may again feel rest, safety, and delight in this, our beloved city. And Good Shepherd, even though it is difficult, even though it is so difficult, we ask for your grace this morning to be able to pray for the lost sheep, for those who have wandered far from us, for those who have perpetrated violence against us. We know that you pursue every lost sheep with your grace, your love, and your mercy. Give us the strength to follow you so that we may do the same, so that we may forgive those who trespass against us. And when our words fail, when we lose our voice, we are grateful that you, Jesus Christ, have given us familiar words which we can fall back upon to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Welcome to Marsh Chapel. For those seated in the nave, I invite you to put your name and contact info in the red pads found at the end of each pew near the center aisle and pass them along the pew so that we can get to know you better this week and you can get to know one another better. I call your attention to the back of the bulletin for a few brief announcements. Tomorrow evening at 7 p.m., the university will hold a memorial service for Lou Lingsey in Metcalf Hall on the second floor of the George Sherman Union. Because of the memorial service, there will be no community dinner at the chapel tomorrow. This Saturday, April 27th, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir will give a concert here in Marsh Chapel at 7 p.m. in celebration of their 40th anniversary. And now a word from Director of Music, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. A few moments ago, Dean Hill called on each of us to lean forward to one another in creativity, how we can lean forward together in relationship and love. This week, in the wake of tragedies, uh, one of our choristers spent the Shelter Inn day Friday responding in just such a fashion, leaning forward in creativity, and wrote the piece the chapel choir just sang, a prayer for the city. Daniel Mahoney is a chorister in our tenor section, and he wrote the piece that we just sang Friday in response this week, and in creativity and love. And we are very happy to perform it this morning in a world premiere. Thank you, Daniel. Now I invite you to meditate on Michael Haller's setting of Sorexit Pastor Bonus as the ushers wait upon us for the offertory.
gracious and loving God, when we feel we have so little to give and hopelessness overwhelms, we rest in your love. May we be the salt and light to all people as we offer these gifts to you. Amen. Now may the risen Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good that you may do his will in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 